welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, a podcast where we break down and review movies, TV shows, and other pop culture news. My name is Emmett, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ivan. Today we'll be d- discussing Pixar's Soul. All right, so I think before we get into the movie, um, there's there's a couple major headlines in the in the news this week, both for shows and then just uh, we wanted to break down some of the streaming service news as well. What was going on? WandaVision. I am very excited for that one. Nine episodes, supposedly. Is it nine? Yeah. Are they gonna, do we know the time? I, I feel like I should have looked this up. Um, the time for each one of them? Um, let's see. I don't. Think I, I just don't want it to be a Mandalorian thing where it's like I'm pretty sure the first episode's 50 minutes and then it's 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so they haven't confirmed the length of time for each one, but they only confirmed that there's going to be nine episodes for it. So okay. I think the initial thought was it was going to be seven episodes per uh, season for these Marvel shows, but it seems like they kind of broke that out. I'm wondering if that means shorter episodes. Right, like a Tommy, maybe. Yeah, but I, I'm pick. I'm like, I'm happy about this because it's, you know, it's the value of a character that we didn't really get to, you know, get much screen time of either of them, Wanda or Vision, and it also marks the kickoff of all the Marvel shows because after this, it's going to be Loki, and then after that, it's Black Widow movie. Like, it's going to be a big Marvel year. Yeah, so I, I feel like this is, you know how we had phases before, before mm-hmm. once Endgame was like the end of everything? I feel like this would probably be the the kickoff for this next phase of movies. It was supposed to be Black Widow, but now it's this. Also in the news, there's we're not going to put too much stock into this just because it's all like fan conjecture. But supposedly, Filoni, along with the fans, want uh, Robert Downey Jr., to enter the Lucas Arts uh, realm of cinematic movies, I guess, um, and then there, there's strong, you know, belief that he would play Thrawn, who was uh, the general, the Grand Admiral general uh, in the Rebel series, and also was mentioned by Ahsoka in the Mandalorian episode. So, kind of an odd pick. Like no one I thought, like not a person I immediately thought of, but also like I get it because he's got the Iron Man ties to John Favreau, so. Who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe he'd be making a Star Wars appearance. Yeah, I, th- I think he's. I, I don't know how to feel about it. I feel like, on one hand, I I'm excited for Robert Downey Jr. in any project, honestly. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like he had like Thrawn is like has one of these like weird. He, he's basically just a blue humanoid <laughs> alien. But if they if they just plan on painting Robert Downey Jr. blue, I think it's going to be a little distracting because like for me it's just going to look like a Cree version of Tony Stark. Yeah, it's it, he would have to bring a lot more than just looking like it. But I I could see him doing a good job. Like his progression of Iron Man and Tony Stark was pretty complex. He went from like this narcissist playboy billionaire who then became this like altruist philanthropist by the end of the series and he was very serious at moments while also being delivering very funny lines so i think he could bring more than just putting on blue face paint to the role yeah i I think you're right um i think i'm a little biased because i I would like mads mickelson to pick up the role again similar Mm -hmm. to um katie sackoff who ended up doing her uh, bo-katan character in live action because mads he has the voice right and i love the voice that 
they've given Thrawn in, in, in Rebels, the animated series. Yeah. So, and I think he has the appearance of it, uh, of Thrawn a little bit. He definitely is a little bit older than what they kind of portrayed him to be in, in the show, right? But at this point in the timeline, we're talking like a decade after Rebels or so. Yeah, well, that's why like fans were kind of calling for Benedict Cumberbatch because of the voice similarities, the body similarities, and also I think he's just a really loved actor in this type of role, uh, thinking back to Khan in Star Trek. And this is a very Khan-like character, too. It's, it's very similar, yeah. So it'd be interesting to see if there's if we should put any stock into this, um, but I think there's plenty of time before they make that decision. Yeah, definitely. And then the last thing we wanted to talk about was the streaming service industry. Uh, that's obviously nothing new, but it just feels like certain, I guess, like collapses within the, the structure are happening now where it's, and to me, the most noticeable one is The Office on Peacock. They obviously, t- the NBC took the rights back from Netflix which is a major hit to Netflix because I feel like whenever anyone's like bored, they just throw on like a 20, 25 minute episode of the office just for fun or something like that. Just to, like have in the background. So that being gone on Netflix is definitely noticeable, but it's also like Peacock has built uh, like their, pla- like their, um, their packages around this. Like there's a f- free package that you could just like sign up for and get seasons one and two. There's a $5 a month package where you get all the seasons plus like deleted scenes. And then there's a $10 package where you get the same thing as the mid tier, but just without ads. So it's like they know it just feels like a Hail Mary for them. Yeah, I think everybody's trying to get into the into the uh, digital space with their own streaming service. And I just don't know. There's, there's going to be a point in time where it's, they're just going to start eating each other. Yeah, it, I I don't know what everyone's deal was when Netflix was the sole owner of the space. Were they all getting really crappy deals? And that's why they're like, well, I'd rather just stream in my my cash cow of the office on my own platform. Or I don't know. It's just you're right, though. It's too many platforms to, you know, scroll through. Like if I want to just like if I don't if I want to watch a movie, but I don't know which movie. I don't want to have to go to 10 different apps to figure out, like, just to right. see what's what's out there. Yeah, I, I think um, I think it comes down to IP and who owns you know, intellectual property and who owns the rights to, to it. Because I, I, so I was reading this article, this is a little while ago, because I was just doing some research on just, like, the trends that we're seeing uh, recently. And it was kind of surprising, not all that surprising, but it's kind of one of those things you, you think about you think is the case, but you don't actually have proof of it, right? But apparently, uh, I think Nielsen was doing this uh, report as to where people spend their most time on platforms like Netflix. And the majority of it isn't on original content. It's actually re-watching and binging all these other shows that have, that have come to pass. So I think right now it's like everybody's trying to get together their IPs and see who has the biggest value of it. And I think that's one of the reasons why um, Disney ended up buying Fox, uh, th- that they wanted that whole library of content for Disney+. And that's what we're seeing it kind of come down to now, because they have stuff like The Simpsons. Because I think if, if I were to weigh all my streaming services in, I think Disney+, Plus maybe not at the top, but I think it's close to there. 
in terms of like what I go to 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 stream content. Yeah, and it's just I think you're I'm probably the same for you as you where I think Disney has like if I had to pick one, it's got the best movie library to my liking, like Star Wars, Marvel, um and then like Pixar, other Disney movies. Like it definitely is like has the best IP, but it's also like I don't know. I don't think a lot of these studios could just build a whole platform around having one great show or one great or a couple great movies. You know, like I don't understand why Peacock is making its own service if it only really has the office drawing people in. You know? Yeah, I, th- I think they're making a mistake by bit, like hinging their bets too much on on one thing. I think you're right, because I, I would venture to guess that it's original content that draws viewers to your app and it's streamed content of old shows or old intellectual property that keep them there, right? Like, I I feel like with Netflix, for example, I think um, for me, the first time that I was really kind of drawn to Netflix itself was Stranger Things. I wanted to watch season one and I I think it had just come out or something. And that's when I myself kind of subscribed to it. Um, And my plan was like, all right, I'm going to watch the first season and then I'm just going to cancel my free trial right because i just wanted to look at the show yeah um but i stuck around to it because i saw this other huge library and selection of movies so i think there's something to it on that like maybe it is like you need to have enough content to gravitate new viewers but it's that old content that's going to keep them there and keep them maybe loyal to your service I, i think on top of that you have to constantly pump out new content otherwise you're like once once the new show that I joined to see, like if for Disney Plus, let's say, if I joined to see The Mandalorian, and then once that ends, and I turn through all of the movies that I wanted to watch there, you need to have WandaVision coming out ASAP. And then same idea for any other movies or shows. Like, you have to just keep this steady flow. And something someone like Disney can do that because they have the dollars. But I don't think, like, an NBC can do that. Um... They probably can, but I, I, the thing is, like, I don't think they have enough that has, like, there's not enough brand familiarity in the IPs that they own to to claim that they can do what Disney has done. If, if anyone can compete with it, I would think it's the HBO Max library, right? Because, like, if you size up, like, the level of content that they have and, like, the intellectual property behind them, I, I think it's Disney versus HBO in terms of who may have the biggest volume of, um, of IP to go off of. Yeah. But HBO's like library of old movies is kind of it looks like a I don't know like a catch-all lost and found bin. <laughs> it does. It, it I feel like I don't know if you get the sense of it too, but like I I'm, I've been disappointed in HBO Max. Not so much because of the offerings, right? I feel like that's one thing, but also they have this like even faster than netflix they're losing movies left and right like i remember they had the whole ad when it came out they're like oh come watch all the dc universe movies you subscribe to it and you get on i think i was upgraded for free because i had that whole hbo thing Mm -hmm. um but (laughs) i think about a week into it they're like oh watch batman versus superman before it goes out of hbo max in 30 days i'm like (laughs) what do you mean this was supposed to be the one stop for dc but apparently not yeah hbo is losing my appeal but i agree that it is probably the top dog for original content next to 
Disney. Next to the Disney overlords <laughs> at this point. A Disney budget. Yeah. Wait till they buy them out in a couple of years. <laughs> That's probably where we're going. I could see Disney going. Well, Disney has Hulu, right? So. Yeah. I guess I, I we also have to fit, factor that into weighing it. But I, I don't really go on to Hulu that much, even though it's part of the Disney package that like the monthly package. I'm going to make a prediction that at some point within the next couple of years, you will see Hulu fold into Disney Plus and it'll just be one like $15 a month package or so. I'm sure they'll do it to us, but I I thought they wanted to keep Disney as like the clean family friendly name and then have Hulu be like the more like, I don't know what the right word for it is, but like daytime TV or whatever. Well, they're bringing the maturity aspect to it because that investors call that we talked about like last month um they talked about how they're doing the disney plus star initiative Mm -hmm. and i don't recall the details specifically i feel like maybe i'm mudding things up here but uh basically you can set up your profile so where you have like a parent's account or an adult's account basically you have to like signify that it's an adult's account and you'll you'll have this little star you know how those little squares pop up when you open up the user interface um, there's going to be a portion that's called star. You'll click on that and a lot of mature content will pop up. So that's where they're, they're planning on storing Deadpool, Logan, and some of those other more R-rated movies from the Fox stuff that they bought. Mm. Um, yeah. And I know they're doing that here and they're doing it internationally. So I think we're starting to maybe see that. So I don't, I don't know what the appeal of Hulu is then at, after, after that stage. Yeah, I think it's just to be like, it's part of our bundle. So it feels like you're getting more. Yeah, or maybe there's like, uh, are they the sole owners of Hulu at this point? I, I I feel like they bought, they bought the shares off of News Corp when they when the whole I thought Fox they were sole. Yeah, I thought they were sole owner, but I'm not educated enough to know that. It's got to be something that's keeping them active, because I don't see a lot of original content coming out of Hulu. I think it's like, yeah, I don't think it's original content, but I think what they've really done is like steer into sports and news and other live type live TV, TV shows. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what that, that might be the direction they're taking, but again, that's like Disney has the money to do that, but like NBC doesn't have that same money. No, no, they don't. I mean, so all they're doing is like holding the office hostage for a little while. And then who knows, maybe they'll partner up with like Amazon prime or something like that. I think that's exactly what's what is gonna happen. What's gonna happen in a couple of years? Like you'll you'll see them. And I think right now it's like we're in the phase where everybody wants their own streaming service. But once they see the cost of it and not being able to sustain it, they'll slowly start to kind of fizzle out. Yeah, I mean it's their bargaining chip. So I think they're just trying to be like show the the rest of the players out there that like we're willing to pull it off of a service and we can always retreat to our own type of thing. Yeah, look at the DC Universe subscription thing. It was supposed to be your one stop for all DC stuff, and then HBO Max came around and took all of that. So. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? But DC? yeah, this this is definitely something to look out for, and like, let us know what, uh, like, if you're sick of having so many services, or if you think that it's going in a different direction. Um, the let us seeing. know your monthly bill total too, because yeah. like, I am paying That's definitely up. the same amount <laughs> that I paid when I had cable. So. Yeah, is anybody I, saving? I don't think anyone is. <laughs> All right, but let's get let's get into Pixar Soul. Um, 
first. So for any new listeners, we, we'd like to do a little spoiler-free uh, review in case you haven't seen it. So it's just kind of our top-line take of the movie. We give it a little grade, recommend or not. And then uh, we'll give you a chance to pause if you haven't seen it, where we'll get into some of the plot discussion as well as uh, some of the character arcs. So Ivan, why don't you uh, why don't you kick us off on the spoiler-free review? I would be honored. <laughs> um, I I think this is one of the better entries in in in, in Pixar's I guess pantheon of uh, of movies at this stage. Um, it's very heavy on themes of life, uh, finding happiness. Uh, it reminds me of Coco mixed with Inside Out a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm happy to keep seeing Pixar delve into these heavy topics. Um, and because they weave them so seamlessly into this very like child-friendly narrative. Um, yeah. If I had to give any nitpick, I, I would have liked to spent a little bit more time with Joe um, as his in his human form and just kind of establish him a little bit more as a character. Yeah. Uh, but I think other than that, I didn't really have all that much to, to kind of nitpick off of. I did get a chance to to kind of see other people's review, non-spoiler reviews <laughs> before uh, I watched this. So uh, I, I went into this with, you know, expecting a little bit of a good good quality movie and i wasn't really disappointed with it um i thought that it's it lives up to the pixar name so i think it's a yeah, solid yeah movie. i too i i too think it lives up to the hype that people are giving it um but for me i kind of put it like in that like b plus range so it's kind of odd to see rotten tomatoes give it a 96 um but i also think metacritics gave it a 83 percent which I think is a little bit low, so I'd probably go somewhere in the bit middle there. Um, it definitely get like I, I definitely think it deserves a recommendation and a watch uh, if you haven't already. Because uh, I too, I, I really like the overall message of the movie. I think it's one of those ones that's like, it's it's got these like hidden and also obvious meanings of life that no one really knows what the meaning of life is, sort of. Um, so as a person, you know. And take it for what it is, coming from a person of like mid to late twenties, uh, it, it's nice to see like an adult trying to find their purpose in life because it's like okay, someone older than me doesn't have it figured out either, um, which is like reassuring. Uh, and also, it's like could speak to the same to someone much younger uh, watching this uh, in grade school or elementary school or whatever, where they feel like they might have to start figuring out what they want to be when they grow up. Yeah, I think the older we get, right, like the more it kind of seems like no one's really in the pilot seat. <laughs> You're just yeah. kind of making it up as you go along. So I, I, I did like the overall message of this too. Yeah, so I think we, we both uh, we both say go for it. Um, I would say this is probably one of those movies along the lines of like a Finding Nemo where you're going to have to think a little bit and have to, you know, think about yourself or like be in the right mood for it. So it's probably not one of those ones where like a toy story where you would just throw it on in the background. Yeah. I think um, you got to be ready to digest some pretty heavy themes too. Uh, Cause it, especially towards the end, I feel like it, it gets really, it gets really heavy with the, with, with the Pixar theme. Yeah. All right. So if you haven't watched now and you don't want spoilers, uh, go ahead and hit pause. Uh, we're going to get into a couple scenes and some of the character arcs and and talk about it in a little bit more uh, detail. All right. So why don't there's really not that many 
characters to analyze here. It's not quite like Wonder Woman where we had like four or five that we wanted to talk about. There's really only like two, maybe three to talk about. Um, so we're probably going to do just a few scenes. Uh, but why don't we start with Joe Gardner, who was played by Jamie Foxx. I feel like this is one of those char- characters that kind of like, uh, for me at least, like it's it was very refreshing to to see um, a a a story about somebody who's like in their in their what they said that it was like around his middle ages, right? So we're talking like fifty plus or so. Yeah, I keep saying middle age, but then also like he's about to die, so I guess it's like end age for him. <laughs> but yeah, I think he's like forty. High forties or low fifties. Well, we don't, uh, with the exception of up. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but like I think typically, like the main character ages of these Pixar movies skew younger, or like there is no, that's not even a factor in this. But it's front and center yeah, here. It, and a lot of them are also toys or animals or cars <laughs> or something like that. So we don't get a lot of human roles. Um, but yeah, and when we do, they're usually not older, like you're saying. But I think this was a great role for Jamie Foxx specifically. I really enjoyed him, like hearing his voice on it. And I also think, like, it, it, I don't know, we talked about it offline that he's kind of he's, he's pretty diverse with his abilities, where he can be like the funny guy, he can also be like a serious guy. He he plays like sports roles sometimes. So it's it's cool to see him draw on his musical abilities for this one. Yeah, I'm not used to thinking of Jamie Foxx as a voice actor. For, for some of these I don't know why right <laughs> but it and, and I don't know why it didn't strike me real quick that this was Jamie Foxx it took me a little bit of time to kind of I didn't either and I had to pause it like halfway through and I was like what's the cast and crew on this because I I that's Tina Fey but I don't know who the other person is it took me I, I knew this was Jamie Foxx faster than I knew 22 was Tina Fey <laughs> that that one was I think the shocker for me for this uh, yeah in terms of finding out the cast. But I've gotten lost in I've gotten lost in like YouTube uh, rabbit holes of watching Jamie Foxx do impersonations and he's so talented with throwing his voice around. So it kind of does make sense at now after seeing the movie that he can be a voice actor for for a cartoon movie. Well, he played it off really well here. So Yeah. <laughs> um this was Pixar's first uh black protagonist, I think. Uh Yeah, was... I think so too. Yeah. Which it's is definitely uh, big. The last movie of 2020 finally got one in. <laughs> it was supposed to, it was due out earlier, right? I feel like we we were going to get it around spring 2020, but because was of the this, pandemic. Yeah, like I was going to say was this June or maybe um, it was spring. I thought it was spring. I don't know. I, I I could be wrong. I feel like this is one of those movies that kind of took me by surprise during the year where we saw a trailer and it's like, oh, it's coming out soon. All of a sudden. Um, but no. So so I I think. Just to kind of talk a little bit about this, because I think we can't really talk about this movie without getting into the topic a little bit. But it's it's definitely monumental to have a um, black protagonist for for this film. It breaks a couple of molds for uh, for basically for, for for diversity. But I think also in essence, it kind of the way that they portrayed like, and I'm talking about scenes like in the barbershop. Um, the jazz theme kind of coming in it's very appropriate to like if you're going to do a movie about jazz like of course you got it it's got to be a black protagonist like if, if anything it's so ingrained in the culture in it um this, the the barbershop scene and all that it just it's it's so many callbacks to especially movies that were directed by black actors and i'm thinking about 
the, the, that barbershop scene in this movie was very akin to like some of the barbershop scenes we see in like a Spike Lee movie. So yeah. it, it, it reminded me of that and it added some like air of kind of, I guess kind of legitimacy when it comes to interpreting these characters in, 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 in proper settings. Um, there has been that said, there's been some like controversy, right, on on social media and elsewhere, and I've seen it discussed in other podcasts and other like commentators talking about how there's a recurring theme with with Disney um, overall, and I think just like I guess animation in, in general, where you'll have a black protagonist, but you don't necessarily spend that much time with them um, in like a human form. I think recently we had Spies in Disguise, where you got the Will Smith character that gets turned into a pigeon. It's a good mm-hmm. movie, by the way, but <laughs> but I, I see I, I see the issue that people are pointing out there, uh, the princess and the frog. It's just one of these things where I, I guess some folks kind of take it like we're it's kind of like taking two steps forward, but then like a step back when it comes to representing um, uh, you know a- especially African Americans in in film and television. So it, it does kind of dip into that a little bit. But the one thing I do want to say is that I feel like the themes that are handled here and especially anytime you you got to see uh, a bit of um, black american culture in this movie it was portrayed with a lot of legitimacy and it seems like whoever they put in charge of laying out these story points uh knew what they were about you know so i i've i've seen bad portrayals of 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 it in cinema before and this isn't one of those Uh, but I, i do get people's concerns and they're uh, issues with it so you know I, I think overall this delivers a pretty good solid message here in terms of getting us uh, closer to a fine point with diversity uh, but we I, we did just want to address that real quick before <laughs> uh, before we continue with this yeah I think that was uh, I think that was really well said and I, yeah, I also saw the same critiques on social media when I was looking it up and I, I do hear you with the it feels like Sometimes it's like one step forward, two steps back. I don't think it's as, you know, as blatant as some of the original Disney uh, movies and shorts were. So it's definitely in the right prog- like progression of getting the accuracy of the like of like black communities and and interactions between um, people. So I do think it was well, I guess, researched in that sense. Did did you did you get a sense of like? Um... I, I feel like Joe really reminded me of like that, that kind of um, how do you, how do you call it? Like unintentional mentor figure, like the guy that doesn't really recognize himself as a, as a, as a influence of, of any kind. Um, yeah. It's a I trope, like, right? I guess. I also just feel like they were putting him in a teaching role. I don't know if that's, being naive or not but i did want them to return back to him being a teacher of students like that actually being his uh his spark as they were calling it and not actually what he thought it was of being like a well-known musician um because that was kind of the common thread for him was like influencing students that he didn't even know he was influencing in a positive way and then also you know, taking 22 or, or Tina Fey through, um, like figuring out what she wants to be in life. The theme of him being a teacher was pretty heavily kind of weaved in there, but that first, uh, scene, the, the one where he's in the classroom and you know, he's kind of like teaching his students and holding his, his class. 
it was um it, it was very much like I think it's to establish the fact that he is a good teacher. He is really good at what he does. He just doesn't see it for himself. Yeah, and I thought that they intentionally put the scene in there of him getting the job, like the full-time job as a teacher, so that they could return to it at the end. But I'm surprised right. that they didn't. Yeah, and it kind of leaves me wondering whether he stays a teacher or like he does he move on from there because I feel like later on when we when you get to the point of his uh like what's his spark in life and what he gets those little flashback memories of his life moments stitched together that was that teaching gig was there at least two or three it made an appearance two or three times during that sequence yeah with both of the, the students that he influenced one being the drummer of the band that he wanted to be he thought he wanted to be a part of and then one being the current student who was ready to quit but just needed like a little encouragement so yeah, I actually really want to like dive into that scene because for me this was the actually just before that was like the biggest takeaway or or home run ball that I thought they had was the conversation between him and I'm forgetting her name, um, Dorothea I think Dorothea I think it was yeah who gave this like old like this parable sort of um, about a fish looking for the ocean and like being certain that the the ocean had to be something bigger and better than what they were currently in. And it was like, I had never heard that before. So I don't know if it's a longstanding one and I just am not read up or cultured enough on that, but it was basically like rewriting, seeing the, the forest through the trees. And I was like, wow, that is a great like little story idiom that they came up with. Yeah, I think I think that was one of the most powerful scenes in in the movie. That and you know, I feel like the the realization of what he's done with with twenty two. Um, but I, I think that for for me that that line hit pretty hard. Where it's kind of like the realization of like you got to be. I, I guess in in a way, it's like a variation of you got to be grateful for what you have, or you have to be able to see what you have. Because the whole point of that right was like the young fish telling the old fish like hey i want to get to the ocean and the old fish telling him like hey you are in the ocean <laughs> you just don't right. see it for yourself right yeah it that's and that's what i was trying to allude to earlier when i'm when we're talking about this movie having adult type uh, adult level thoughts and ideas that kids won't understand but they might understand the like the actual ending of Oh, just enjoying the parts of life is enough reason to, uh, you know, be granted a life. Uh, that... Poorly said, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, that line also reminded me of, um, oddly enough, since we were talking about The Office early in, uh, early in the show, um, the line from Andy, at the, I think it was in the <laughs> finale of The Office, right, where he's like, I wish someone could tell you when you're in the good old days, like when you're actually yeah. in them. And that's kind of yeah. what this is too, right? Like it's a similar theme to it. Someone should write a song about that. Yeah. <laughs> and then someone did. <laughs> I need Creed to take out his, his oh. musical instruments at any point. Give us more Creed thoughts. <laughs> but I enjoyed his arc. I enjoyed the simplicity of his life before. He's just like a regular person working a job, chasing a bigger dream kind of stumbling along the way and then you know in classic pixar fashion like you have to help someone else out before you can realize that you have 
everything you needed. Um, so I really liked his character arc as a whole. Yeah, it's it's very it was very Pixar, but it was also kind of you know it, I'm tr- trying to think of like all the little ticks that make a Pixar movie a Pixar movie, right? Like you have the animal companion, you have the uh, realization of a heavy theme, you have at least it's normally two people trying to work out a problem or solve each other's kind of problems, right? And at the end, they both come to some sort of realization. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed his arc. He he basically was through and through this movie a a teacher both an unwilling and willing one which is which is another thing that i really enjoyed to see um since most of my family are teachers they'll be the first ones to tell you that you don't know which students you're you have an impact on um until many many years later when they come back to say like hey that class really changed me in in this way and and i appreciated everything you did like they're never going to tell you that up front so that's kind of the thing that's the reason why joe wasn't able to see it at the time right and in essence he becomes a spark for other people too it's it's definitely a very profound kind of thing too because you know now that we're kind of on the subject of it like yeah if if i kind of look back i'm like there's a handful of teachers that you can kind of recall and be like oh well it's because of this person that i'm into xyz so yeah, yeah the Call whole number write them tell your teachers <laughs> i should i think i'm only in contact with one of my old teachers now which is kind of sad i should probably go back and and write a thank you note or something yeah Jeez. let's do it <laughs> we got really deep i'll do it live on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> oh man but should we um should we talk about 22 for a little bit um no she wasn't that important we can skip her yeah let's talk about 22 let's talk about terry (laughs) the 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 true hero of the movie terry doing his job (laughs) no let's let's talk uh, let's talk tina fey's character 22 um i got a lot of like sarah silverman silver silverman vibes from wreck it ralph like she's like kind of like the wild child she doesn't really fit in where she's placed and she's like just lost um I don't know. Did you pick up on any of that, or? Yeah, does she remind me of uh, Penelope? I forgot Penelope. her last name. Penelope something. Yeah, yeah, she 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 did. She also kind of reminded me of like, um, uh, what's her name from Inside Out? The the, the depressed one. Sadness. <laughs> the, the, was it sadness? <laughs> I was like the depressed yeah. one. Um, yeah. Who so, was also an office character? Yeah. Uh, Phyllis. Phyllis, right? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of office themes in this episode. <laughs> yeah, she 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 did give me the the Sarah Silverman vibe, and I actually thought maybe that was her voice for a while. Like it took me a while to figure out that that was Tina Fey. And truth be told, I was still kind of second guessing myself. And I, while I was tempted to look it up on IMDb while I was watching the movie, I waited until the end credits, only to see it was Tina Fey. And I was like, "How did I miss that? Does like, that change your viewing? Like you don't." know exactly who it is throughout the whole thing because I, I i could tell it was tina fey i couldn't tell it was jamie fox up front so i paused and looked it up and i i enjoy it more when i know when i can picture like their face talking kind of yeah i i it doesn't really change anything for me i just thought it just kind of surprised me it took me back a little bit like i, I don't picture tina fey as like your standard voiceover actress 
I didn't bad. either. I think she could have also been replaced by kind of anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Well, you, you you mentioned Sarah Silverman. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Like that that's the vibe that I kind of get from from the voice. Only there. because I didn't either. I also didn't. I felt like Sarah Silverman could have been replaced in that role as well. Like it could have been any cutesy voice type right. of character, or it could have even been like a serious character. Right. Right. You make a good point with that. Cause like, I feel like if you were to replace um, the role of Joe from Jamie Foxx, anybody else, it would be a notable kind of thing. And also Jamie right. Foxx has this air to him, like from voice uh, performance to, to even physical performances. Like just, it's kind of unique. Right. But Tina Fey, like, I don't know. I just see 30 Rock when I hear her. <laughs> yeah. I, I always get those Liz Lemon vibes every time she's in anything. <laughs> but she also had, like, an interesting arc. Like, Tina Fey aside, I like the character's arc that they wrote for her. Um, where I actually kind of couldn't see where they were going to go with it until the very end. Um just because I feel like they didn't go with the obvious choice. Like I thought the whole time, like, yeah, she's just going to be like a therapist or a psychologist. Cause she was supposed to meet with us. And she also loves hearing about people's problems and like just the hearing about their lives and, and helping them see like how to become better or whatever. So I thought like that's the direction they were taking. So it was just interesting to see them say like, Oh no, you just enjoy staring at the sky or going for walks that's a reason to live. So your wish is granted. Yeah. They kind of flipped it on its head because I thought the expectation of it was going to be like, Oh, she's going to be the one that kind of sparks him to go to kind of find this thing. Right. But it, it really ends up being like Tina Fey, Tina Fey's character. So she, she was up to, she's pretty much like, I guess, unmotivated or un undriven by anything until her encounter with, with Joe Gardner. Which is also interesting because, she like if you see all the names on the name tags that she's collected throughout the years of her mentors they're all like nelson mandela like fully self-actualized people so it, it takes like just a regular joe to come in and and show her the the ways of life yeah and it might also be like a thread of like people who were able to fulfill their stuff but also didn't seem to have enjoyed their life quite as much maybe like i, f I feel like you, you talk about mm -hmm. someone like gandhi yeah. right who is mentioned as a mentor for her i'm like okay well some of these folks i kind of remember not having the happiest of endings and their whole yeah, life just accomplished this one thing right so did you see the marie antoinette one where she's just <laughs> yeah. a floating head like she got beheaded and then uh <laughs> tina Fey throws a cake at her face yeah like that's such a good like subtle humor that like i didn't pick up on until i looked at like uh some articles on the movie it's heavy with a lot of a lot of these references to historical figures too like you got abraham lincoln in there muhammad ali you got gandhi yeah. a whole bunch of them and it's 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 funny to kind of see it all kind of play out but it, i guess it's all for like the you're right like these were all people that found their fulfillment it wasn't anybody who missed something out on life and it seems like 22 ends up being the type of character that enjoys the little things out of things like she doesn't really make a big stink out of life because she doesn't see like a huge huge arc to it right she sees enjoyment and some of the smaller stuff right which is the point of like the the way to get back get down to earth 
and be like a uh, I forget what they call that like your their chip or their pass or whatever. You have to fill out just one last slot, which would define you as like a person. And it seems like it's I don't know. It's kind of ignorant to say like oh one thing could fill up the rest of your personhood which i think is supposed to be the message of the movie is like don't chase one thing for your whole life because it might not be what you're expecting it to be right in a way it kind of circles back to that too because like all those little discs or whatever they are that complete the little badge for you to go to earth is all a different little piece of life right so right it's like you're not defined by that one soul piece of it you're rather defined by the whole so right it was a nice message with that too yeah which i think also kind of leads us into the jerry's and And also obviously the one terry (laughs) (laughs) such a classic terry literal bean counter (laughs) (laughs) which i mean like don't get on his case he's just doing his job like if a bean is missing that's serious He did the due diligent work and like fi- th- that that scene where he's going through all the cabin the cabinets and like <laughs> through all those files. I was like, Man, I, I feel that it gave me some anxiety and some flashbacks, some memories I'd rather forget. <laughs> yeah, if anyone who's worked in an office like you you know what Terry's going through because the Jerry's have it easy. They just get to like shove little soul beings around and and give them different personality traits this dude has to count beans all day <laughs> it, it yeah <laughs> it would be way too soon the next time i run into another filing cabinet like that i can't <laughs> he reminded me though of oh god i don't even know what the the name was but like didn't he look like the angry beavers or like some cartoon from the 90s he reminded me of the owl from the how many licks does it take to get to the center of Tootsie Pop commercial? Really? That's the one you I, got out of it? Yeah, I don't I don't know why. Because <laughs> of the counting? Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's the reason why. Alright. Well, I do like their their design as a character. It's kind of unique being the entirety of a universe condensed into a, a humanoid form for us to understand. Um but I just the only thing I didn't get about their, I guess, characteristics was like, shouldn't if they know everything of the universe, how did they never help twenty two before this? Or like also like, how did Joe trick them that he was that psychologist that was supposed to be there? Like, I don't know. It's very nitpicky, but it's also like, well, are these all knowing beings or what are they? Clearly not. The the uh, the Jerry's don't seem to have that much of a care in the world for anything, right? Because like, they really didn't. They have this like nonchalant attitude of it all, and and but but it might even be, it might even speak to that last message from the last little bit of dialogue that uh, one of the Jerry's has with uh, with Joe, which yeah. is where he says like, oh, it's not often that we're inspired ourselves. Like maybe that's yep. what it is. Like they're they're not inspired themselves to be able to help enough. Um, they're just more of a very transactional kind of being. Yeah, I really enjoyed that interaction with the with one of the Jerry's, but then also the Jerry when um, I forget it was definitely towards the end where he was like that last little piece isn't your like it it's your spark, but it's not what you sh- should be doing or who you are that makes you. 
Um, so it made the point of the movie figure out. Um, I really liked that dialogue there. Yeah, I feel like the, the, I, I love their character design too. Like from a from a visual perspective, it seems like to kind of fit the personalities of them. Because um, when you look at Terry, I think of like this short little stubby man yeah. who's like very, very much like obsessed with, with work. And then the Jerry's kind of strike me as like your traditional happy peppy salesperson. <laughs> um and, and like somebody who's a lot more sociable, I guess, than than someone like like Terry, but also doesn't really have too much of a care. Yeah, I think they nailed it with personifying that. And then also like little throwaway lines that were like when they were sorting the souls into buildings and giving them <laughs> personality traits. Like I loved when they were like and send these seven to like the self-obsessed building. And then the other Jerry is like, should we stop sending so many to that one? <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love those bits. Like, I feel like that would be one, like if, if movie theaters were open, I feel like that would be one where all the parents would laugh. And then the kids would just laugh because their parents are laughing, but they wouldn't get it. Like, I feel like that's classic Pixar. Yeah. Like digging little truths in there <laughs> to kind of, Right. <laughs> um, but sadly, like that's kind of all the characters to talk about. I mean, there were there was definitely the other like supporting characters that helped push the plot along, but um, but not really in the in the same sense of breaking anyone down. We I think we could one. talk maybe. Who who would you talk about? The therapy cat. <laughs> <laughs> that was Joe. <laughs> Yeah, but the poor soul of the therapy cat that got stuck. Oh yeah, in that there. soul died, didn't it? I I it I guess the conveyor it... belt to the dead. Oh shoot. Um, no, the, he came back at the end because the cat's right. still well, with Joe. Right. Well, that doesn't Joe. make any sense. <laughs> it's a soulless cat now. <laughs> oh, I, I gotcha. So it's that little fuzzball monster that the hippie is saving. Yeah. <laughs> Which I also like that. What were they? Um, Meditus without borders or something like that. I didn't get that one. So, th- so they were it was just it was doctors without borders, but it was they were just like chakra, like shamans. I guess shaman is probably the closest word I can kind of associate to them. Yeah, I think that's what he was going for. But they were just riding. They were hippies. A, they were riding a a tie dye boat with a <laughs> symbol anchor. So I feel like they were hippies. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> all the time I was kind of thinking, I was like, hmm. Did they get in there just for pure meditation, or do they have some like substance um, help getting there? Oh, LSD. <laughs> right? <laughs> 100%. Ooh, but we got a great Knicks call out. There, there was a lot of great New York City stuff in there. Oh, um, the Knicks, you got Pizza Rat, <laughs> the subway <laughs> really breaks people down. Like, they had some good stuff in there. That little thing where uh, 22 in Joe's body bumps into the guy that's just holding onto the handrail there. He's like flips out on him. <laughs> that's so such New York energy. That's so New York. Yeah, we had the little Italian accent. I can't tell you the amount of times that I get yelled at in the subway. <laughs> Cause, I like, hate you, the subway. You get lost in your own world, so you don't really pay attention that often. So you just kind of mind your business, and I guess other people just kind of... I don't know. We'll like find some sort of thing wrong. Yeah, it's so hot down there. 
everyone's so angry. And then for me, just trying to get down there is uh, impossible. I can't even get this the card swipe to work half the time. So I'm that guy who holds the line. <laughs> yeah, I could see you being that guy. <laughs> I hate being that guy. I'm not the guy though that like gets it where like you get the error and then go to a different turnstile. I know to stay at the same one. Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore because you got that wireless turnstile thing now. So whenever you're back in the city, <laughs> you could just hover your debit card over it and that's it. Oh, I didn't even know we had that update. I haven't been in the city that long. <laughs> How long has quarantine been? It's I don't even know, man. I don't even know what month we're in. Well, wait, it's the, it's the next year. Wait, we're <laughs> in another year now. <laughs> wow. All right. With that shocking realization, um, can we talk about Pixar rankings? Like where this fits on um, on the list? Where they're at twenty three now, right? Not counting the shorts. Uh, the, yeah, I I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I will trust your twenty three count here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I asked that with the Wikipedia page open, so <laughs> yeah. What's your? <laughs> we do we do our research on this show sometimes. <laughs> sometimes we wing it. Sometimes we're we're pros. <laughs> um, give me your give me your top ten. Top ten. Um, why don't we do the top five each? I I put Onward as my number one. I I just loved that story. I we were talking about this before we started recording. Like, there's yeah. two different types of Pixar movies. There's ones that like hit you with the the feels up front, and then they build you up from there. Um, and then there's ones that are like, I would put Soul in this category where it's like, it just it builds up characters throughout and then it gives you the like the sad feels right at the end and then one last build up of of like hope or something i kind of i kind of lend i uh, lean towards the latter where like i want to be built up and then just broken down to the very end as opposed to the other way around um, right. but i feel like onward is like soul where it, it builds you up and then it gives you one really good feel at the end yeah, that was one that that surprised me too. Like in terms of that how I much put I in my top it. five. <laughs> you didn't have it. Your top ten. It's not in my top ten, but I I did. I was surprised by how much I liked it. Um, especially like given the fact that we 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 got it also around the time that we all went into quarantine on Disney Plus. So mm-hmm. thank God. <laughs> but yeah, what's your yeah. what's your what's your number one? Um, I'd have to go with Inside Out. Kind of a similar Which doesn't feature in my top ten. Wow. Um, no, we're, we're we're very we're very deviated from certain things, and then like we're spot on on some of our numberings. I think so. Yeah. For for me, I think like Inside Out was very much. Um, it, it was all a movie about emotions. So I don't know. I'm trying to find like a good reason as to why it stuck out to me in particular, right? But I think the the whole movie itself was really good to for me. As somebody who's kind of gone through the whole, like I, I was, I was like diagnosed with clinical depression, like back in my high school days, right? So, seeing that movie kind of helped me to kind of figure out how to best portray that when you're talking about it with somebody else. And I feel like Inside Out just has a really good message of like the importance of being able to kind of like every single thing that you feel is like has some sort of relevance to your overall self and not to be too consumed by one particular aspect of your personality or your being. Mm. 
So it was good. Like yeah. it had that overall message. That's why it kind of stands out to me as like my my top one. Yeah. Hey, thank you for sharing that, man. I I, I think I would put it in the top ten. I got to rework this a little bit because I did like it too. Where it was, it's not a totally typical Pixar or even just general movie. It's not where it's like two characters going on an adventure or something like that. It's I mean there was that element in it, but it's really about like an internal struggle as opposed to being like two people working together. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely out of the norm a little bit for, for the standard Pixar formula. Yeah, I do. I, I did like, I honestly, it's probably cause I only watched it last week. So I need time to like sit with it and, and maybe watch it again for, it took, uh, for a real appreciation. It took me a few views. I, I feel like most Pixar movies take me a few views to really like get me to. Yeah. Appreciate them. Yeah, for sure. You know I know which one agreed on one. What one? You know which one just took me one viewing though. I think I think you were about to delve into it. So that tell us the number two. number two. Yeah, tell yeah. us the number we two. Both, we both are putting Toy Story the first one as number two. That's just such a classic, man. And he's no. What was it called? Um, God, I'm I'm like the, remember the, the the pizza. It was was it Pizza Planet? Pizza Planet. Pizza Planet. There you go. Oh my gosh, I that. The top pizzas in my lifetime are Pizza Planet and then the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cheese pizza. <laughs> like, <laughs> those are the top like animated TV show pizzas. Uh, so yeah, that as one reason. But then also like, I was obsessed with my toys as a kid. So like, I related to Andy. Toy Story number two all the way. The yeah. Number two on the ranking, not Toy Story two. Did you ever get a ch- kind of a deviation here? But like, did you ever get? Were you one of those kids like for for some reason like had some sort of like attachment to inanimate objects, almost as if they had feelings? <laughs> you get what I mean? Like, I I had well, yeah. I mean, I grew, I, had, I watched Toy Story as a kid, so I was like, oh, these <laughs> things can talk while I'm not here. Well, then I'll just like talk to them, and then they can debrief after. <laughs> yeah i was very impressionable as a kid (laughs) yeah same here i i kind of had some like i had this weird habit of like making sure i played with the oh that you shared the wealth yeah Yeah, 100 i did did that too i was like i need to spend enough time with this toy and this one did you see like how sad like i know this is toy story 2 but like how sad like wheezy was the the penguin like yeah (laughs) on the top shelf that was yeah (laughs) Man, Toy Story was like, I was very impressionable on that one as a kid. It also hit around the great spot for us because we're both what 1992, right? We're both born around that time, so yeah. it it hit right it around that time. Yeah, yeah, it, it it came at a good point for us in our our childhood. Yeah, and it was so like the the storylines of like friendship and and the deeper meaning of the movie wasn't too deep where it was like a kid couldn't figure it out kind of stuff um so i feel like we we could laugh at all the jokes and then going back to look at these movies like you can tell where like the adult humor was in those yeah there's so many (laughs) hidden jokes in a lot of these pixar movies too that you're just kind of like especially after you find them as adults you get a better appreciation for it who was your favorite um toy from toy story it was always buzz lightyear (laughs) i know (laughs) Oh my god, so mainstream. I know, I know. But Dude, like Rex, Rex was the best. <laughs> <laughs> and that T-Rex, oh, he was so cool. 
it was Buzz Lightyear for me, and maybe I think Mr. Potato Head a close second. Okay, yeah, Potato Head was was cool. Um, three we deviated a little bit. I put Bugs Life only because I watched Bugs Life and not Ants. So that's <laughs> I put it three. <laughs> oh my God! I know I've told you this story already, but when when I was growing up, my uh my 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 dad used to have this habit of like picking up VHS tapes for my brother and I just so we could watch. So at least once or twice a month, we'd get a new movie. We'd sit down on the VCR and just kind of watch. He'd fall asleep, obviously. <laughs> but um, the, it was funny because growing up, you you never you know you kind of get what you what you get when it came to these kind of sit downs, right? But he came home one day with a VHS copy of of ants. No, sorry, no of of a Bug's Life. And so you had this little like it, it was obviously a, a bootleg movie, right? It was like a not an official Disney VHS. So you had the little artwork of a Bug's Life, and then allegedly, the, allegedly, allegedly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the back of the box was like this generic tape, so it, that should have been the immediate red flag. But like <laughs> when you're when you're young, you don't you don't understand these things. So we put it in, we play it, and for several years, man, I had no idea the difference between ants and a bug's life i thought they were the same movie but for some reason they had different marketing material and it just didn't ever seem to mesh and it wasn't until around middle school that i figured out oh man i didn't actually watch a bug's life yeah i've been lying to myself this whole time <laughs> <laughs> yeah bug's life was great though i mean you got tim the tool man taylor as the bad guy i loved that well ants was a really spectacular film too <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was your three though? Uh, my three was Coco. A little bias mm. on it, right? Like as, <laughs> as a <laughs> little on the nose there, as as a Mexican here. But um, I it 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 for me, it really painted the um perfect dynamic of like a Mexican family. So I appreciated that for one. Never seen that before anywhere <laughs> on an animated movie. Um, but it was also like it was nice to kind of see a lot of the visual stuff a lot of the little visual call outs there was a lot of references to like mexican pop culture um mm-hmm. you had like stuff like the comedian cantinflas made a uh, cameo in there you had your traditional kind of like mexican um classical what i, I guess we, we call it ranchero music but i think it would be like the equivalent of country music here so and then you had stuff like the other people would know like like frida kahlo mm-hmm. um but it, it was very it was very mexican is where i'm getting at basically here yeah you had hyped it up for as soon as it came out and i had just kept putting it off i will fess up i it took me until today to watch it just because i <laughs> had heard parallels between coco and soul so i wanted to like see for myself there are obviously parallels between the storylines but um yeah this is in my top 10 but again it's one of those ones where like I probably just want to watch it again and and sit with it a little bit longer before I move it up. The Day of the Dead imagery on that movie is really good, and that's that's the yeah. thing that kind of stood out to me. Like visually, there's movies that you can kind of recall back on, and Coco's one of those. So, yeah, it, it's a good story too. I don't think it was one of the most emotional ones. I think that's kind of more served up that's, elsewhere. Yeah, that was one of its shortcomings. Was like, it was definitely a good payoff at the end. Uh, it was emotional. And it, I think its best aspect, though, was the music. I mean, the like thematic scores of of Pixar movies is probably 
secretly what makes or breaks these movies. Like for our, for example, for like our next one, our number four, we agree on Finding Nemo. Like the, there were like dramatic music scores in this at the beginning, at least. Yeah, the opening scene to Finding Nemo had that um, the sh- after the shark attack, right? That little, I don't even know what to call it, right? It's like a, I want to say it's I like a it's piano like string. Like yeah, it's like Nemo's theme or something like that. I, I, if you just play that that clip of that little piece of music after that shark attack, I would shed tears right now. Like yeah. <laughs> that's how that's how good that piece of music is. Yeah. Which, yeah, I think we, uh, I think we both agreed on that, and we actually both agreed on number five, uh, putting up there. You can't, you can't go past like a top five without putting up. I feel like that that one yeah. tugs on the heartstrings so much. Yeah, that one really, uh, probably more so than Finding Nemo is the feels. I remember like in a health class, like before I had seen it, for some reason we played that scene. <laughs> and I was like, this is a weird choice for health class. Like we were just clearly filling time back in the day. But like everyone got so emotional in high school health class that we're like, wait, why are we watching the scene? This is so sad. This is just the circle of life. <laughs> that... Th- I was I was kind of thinking thinking back to the earlier conversation we had about Joe and being like the one of the oldest main characters. This is the other one. Yeah. This is the other one. Yeah, but I and I feel like it's it kind of rings a similar theme too of like life and fulfillment and just exactly what you kind of they both kind of come to a similar point too at the end, right? Like it's the appreciating what you have when you have it kind of thing. Yeah, he kicks the kid aside just as Joe kicked. 22 aside and then they both come back together and realize they need each other um so classic pixar story arc there but yeah god what a good feels i think i'm about to watch it tonight just to (laughs) i feel like drowning in my own tears tonight (laughs) okay (laughs) um yeah i have a few more where i i put soul towards like it's in my top 10 but um I put a few others ahead of it. I put Incredibles, Monster Inc. I put Coco there, and then I had Soul at nine. Um, where did Soul fit in for you? I put Soul in at seven. So after after five being up for me, I go Incredibles, then Soul, Monsters Incorporated, the first one, um, mm-hmm. Wall-E, and then Good Dinosaur. We agreed on a lot of these up top. Did you? You've never. You said you've never seen Wall-E before, right? Or did I... I saw bits and pieces of it, and I was like, I'll probably get to this someday, and maybe I should just watch it, since I've watched like four Pixar movies this week. <laughs> <laughs> I also need to watch Good Dinosaur, too, so, geez. Before you watch Good Dinosaur, I, w- I would invest the time in Wally though. I feel like that's definitely one of the best movies they've done. From uh, what I've seen, it's basically how I lived this year of not walking <laughs> around. <laughs> so I'm a little scared to watch it this year. Was your best friend the cockroach this year too? <laughs> is that how it kind of goes? No, <laughs> little mouse. So maybe Ratatouille is for, more for me. Yeah, I think Ratatouille is calling to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it's a it's a good movie. It's a nice little layered sci-fi film there, and like this also this like warning, I guess, of like let's not let the world go to waste kind of thing. So definitely a good movie to 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 watch out for too. Yeah, so I think we both put Soul top 10, varied a little bit there. But um, yeah, it's definitely a great uh, representation of, of Pixar theme and also 
um, you know, just a little feel good, feel good at the end after they break you down, of course. Do you have an idea as to what the next Pixar movie is going to be? Well, according to Wikipedia, um, something called Luca is coming out in this June. Something oh. else called Turning Red is the year after that. And then Lightyear is June of next year. Oh, is that Pixar, the Lightyear movie? I, th- I, I don't know why I thought that was traditional Disney animation. Well, Wikipedia knows everything, so I would trust it. Yeah, if Wikipedia says it, it's fact. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I got most of my term papers done. <laughs> oh, damn. Okay. Uh, it says Luca's an upcoming American 3D commute. A uh, computer animated film produced by Pixar to release on June. This gave me no detail about it. I thought that was going somewhere. Sorry, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I feel like we saw some visuals after the uh, investors it's, call. It looks like two people jumping off of a cliff into water. I'm seeing a image of a kid eating something. I think it's like pasta or something. Is this an Italian movie? Is that what? Are we focusing no. on Italy? No. no you, you misspelled Luca. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Wait. No. Yeah. It's wait. You, you wrote it? in lunch instead of Luca. Oh, damn. No, I'm just L U C A, not L U N C H. <laughs> the movie is directed by Enrico Casarosa. So he's, go- he's the guy that directed La Luna for 2011's Pixar. So he's an Italian director. Yeah, it, it's going to be based off of uh, Italy. Or at least like be based in Italy for some reason. Okay, that, that explains this. Oh, Mamma mia. And look at oh, this. This, this, uh, this um, article that's talking about it was written by Daniel Giuseppe. So there you go. Giuseppe. Giuseppe. Is it Giuseppe? I'm sorry. My bad. Yeah, now we're, now we're into my Italian heritage. So. <laughs> <laughs> go off. Um, but yeah, I, think, I don't think Pixar is as much of our hype as um, some of the other Disney stuff right now, but this is a, this is a nice little filler between Mandalorian and some of the other Marvel stuff. So I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it too. It was great to kind of talk a little bit about the Pixar and kind of get a little bit into it. So, you know, I I'm, I'm, I'm hyped for some of the projects that we have coming down the pipeline for the stuff we're going to cover. But anyway, I think that about wraps it up for us, right? Yeah, I'm satisfied with uh, with this breakdown. Yeah, uh, just a quick word from our sponsors for this show. Um, let me see. No, we don't have any, so we're still working on. That. Oh, okay, we'll work on that. Yeah, we'll work on it. I reached out to a couple folks. So we'll see. We'll 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 hear back. Uh, I'm 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 hoping at some point we get something up and running here. Nabisco, maybe you know. I forgot General Mills. Any anybody if anybody could toss us a bone, that'd be great. Yeah, I could go for some General Mills. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that about does it then for us. Um let us know your thoughts on, on Soul if you guys have seen it. Um if not, drop you know, drop us a line. Can, uh, we can be reached at behind the fourth wall podcast at gmail.com, fourth being four T H, or hit us up on Twitter at BT fourth wall for being 4th thanks for listening thanks for listening